Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Welcome to another episode of Pit Lane Parlay. I am your host, Mike Jokum. Matt is here joining us for the first IndyCar episode of the week. It's Justin Kenny from New Track Record Podcast. Justin, I don't really care how Matt's doing, so how are you doing? <laughs> I'm doing great, fellas. How are you guys? I'll ask Matt how he's doing. Uh, well, we don't. We still don't care. Oh, thanks. Uh, <laughs> well, whatever. Freaking, your team's what, one and four down there? Two and Shut three. Up. Two and three. Who'd you beat? We beat the Panthers this week, and we beat the Falcons in week one. Oh, that's right. You did win. I thought I, I think I mentally chalked that one up to a loss before I even like saw the yes, game. Yes, so did I. Just because. <laughs> I wasn't prepared, and then all of a sudden, they were like actually playing defense. I'm like, this is really confusing. Matt's team wins three games, and all of a sudden, he's just bashing everybody. But, you know, Buzz Bears are yeah, really no, about those things. I know. I got to... I got to give eagles shit every day no matter what even if they're winning the super bowl i'm still gonna find something all right well let's get the shameless plugging right out of the way where can we find you and the podcast on twitter do you want to give your handles a plug real quick yeah man uh i'm at j kenny ops on twitter and then uh you can find us at indycar podcast so uh check us out while you're listening to pit lane parlay throw us in there for uh, some not as uh, intelligent discussion. You got to even it out. You know what I mean? He's calling us intelligent. I'm Whatever. very confused. All right. Uh, I'm confused too. We can have him back on whenever. Uh, there, I have several questions for you. Okay. Uh, the first one is what is it like to wake up in the morning and have your mentions full of people getting you confused with a Canadian politician? <laughs> it's absolutely true, fellas. Um, it happens probably once every couple weeks. Uh, Jason Kenny is the, uh, I think it's the premier of Ontario or something. And he even spells it different, K-E-N-N-E-Y. But as people are furious, it's always negative too. Uh, but <laughs> as course. they're furiously typing to uh, to talk about Jason Kenny, they must put at J-K-E-N-N and I pop up and they roll with it. And uh, it's flattering, so to speak. I wish I could help my uh, countrymen to the north with their issues, but unfortunately, I'm the wrong Jay Kenny. But I enjoy it because I think one of them was, you know, I had to, I, I resign. I seriously woke up one day and somebody had tagged me and said I should resign. And I was trying to think, like, <laughs> what did I do? Because I'll be honest, there's probably stuff I do every day that I should resign for from my <laughs> from my job. So I was trying to think what, what I did, but uh, turns out it it was not directed at me. At least this time. That's good to hear. Hey, what did we talk about? What did we talk about in the F1 episode? We talked about vaccines and, oh, climate change. Oh, yeah. Nice. So that's coming out tomorrow for you folks. We're, we're 100% getting canceled yes. for that. <laughs> yes. 
That's great. So I've been following you for years, it feels like. Kind of showed up in my mentions one day, um, joining me in bashing the Bears, but then I also saw in your bio that you did like an IndyCar pod. I'm like, oh, what are, like you were a huge IndyCar fan. I think at the time you were a huge IndyCar fan and then eventually got into the podcasting game. Uh, so, and I think his name is Caleb Hitch. Is, am I saying oh, yeah, that right? right? Close enough. Oh, I was just being an ass. I was just, I was just being a deliberately an ass. No, Caleb's a great guy too. I've been following him for a long yeah. time. I, I love interacting with him too. So how did that start? You know, how did, how did you get into IndyCar and then on the next level, how did you get into the podcast game? Well, I, I started watching IndyCar, you know, casually when I was younger and I remember watching the 500, actually listening to the 500 with my dad. Um, when I was younger and uh, just started getting into it or watching the races. It, it really wasn't that long ago. I guess I'm 39 years old and it probably started when I was about 25 ish is when I really started focusing in and zeroing in on IndyCar. And, uh, you know, the passion's only grown from there. And, you know, it's it's similar to you guys. I'm sure it's it's actually nice to be in a, a positive time for IndyCar and open wheel racing in North America, because, you know, when you and I were growing up, I kind of was too young to remember the heyday type thing. I was probably the tail end and then the split happened and then, you know, everything went to shit and, you know, now we're kind of having a resurgence. So uh, that's kind of what I get into it. And, and Caleb started the podcast here, I think around four years ago and a couple of years in, you know, he works at the radio station that I do a couple of shows at. And, and, you know, one day we were like, you know what, we were talking IndyCar. He said, this is stupid. Why don't you just come on the podcast and co-host with me? So it's kind of been a thing ever, ever since. And uh, we have a lot of fun on there, uh, similar to what you guys do. And, you know, as the sport is, is rebounding and, and growing, you know, we're right along there with it. So it's a lot of fun. Yeah, it's a good time to be in here. Uh, you're talking about your heyday. I mean, we can turn it to Mike here to talk about, you know, his heyday at the time, which was the 60s. So, Mike, what was <laughs> what was it like watching Mario Andretti in his prime? I knew that's where you were going because right before Justin hopped on, you told me we could talk about for trivia for trivia next week 1930s racetracks so that's i have nothing i have nothing kind to add to this conversation right now i feel like i feel like mike you know probably at least a half dozen plank tracks he's been at in his day back oh, in the 30s i'm getting ganged up on i, I need <laughs> I, I like this i need i need I really shannon like or somebody to help me out here <laughs> Uh, she would roast you too. Don't worry. Okay. So Mike, do you have anything you would like to ask, uh, Justin before I kind of kick off the episode? I don't because I didn't think of anything. So let's, let's kick it off. All right. So normally on the episode on the IndyCar side, at least, uh, I start the episode with some not racing related questions. So there's some sort of like life type questions. So last week it was, what is the worst kind of chain restaurant in <laughs> America? Mike said Olive Garden. I said uh, Red Robin. I don't know if you have. I, I didn't like the Olive Garden answer. No, me neither. Do you, do you have one that floats to the top for you as far as kind of like a chain restaurant everybody's heard of that you think is completely garbage? Uh, you know, I'm and, and maybe I'll, I'll touch a nerve here. I'm not a Panda Express guy. That's fair. I could take it. I could take it or leave it. I mean, I'm not a fan. And, and, uh, and you know, people bringing it in at work and, and all that stuff. I'm just I'm. I don't dig it, fellas. You know, the Panda Express, I see it everywhere. Uh, and it seems like always whenever I'm out of town, I'm staying in a hotel, it's like always adjacent to the hotel, I swear. Like, it for people that love Panda Express, it's perfect location. But for, for, to me, it's like rubbing it in my face that the closest restaurant is something I cannot stand. So 
I'm going to go Panda Express. And Mike, I, I didn't think I could like you any less, but the fact that you went with Olive Garden just dropped you a little further down. You know, that's that's fair. I I res- I feel like I feel like Hickey like had to like Venmo you like five bucks a four, like just totally <laughs> dump. I'll show you. I'll show you my history here. Uh, I got nothing. Kind of on the back of that. So I was actually going to let you, our guest, uh, go ahead and you can pick any off the cuff, non political question out there, um, and Mike and I and you can go ahead and answer. So do you got anything you want to throw at us? Uh, let's see. Let's um. Uh, let, let's talk beer, fellas. What's the go to that's not a domestic? Well, I think I know Matt's, so I'm going to go with uh, a local brewery to me here in Philly. Uh, Yards Brewery has a stout called uh, Love Stout. It's kind of like a kind of chocolatey flavor. And then they have a winter Love Stout that's like even the flavors are a little bit more bold. I don't I'm not a beer snob enough to like know the know the terminology but i'll go with uh i'll go with love stout because it is a delightful beer so yeah as mike anticipates the one for me is spotted cow absolutely love it would don't want to live in a world without spotted cow and then the second is a brewery up in two harbors which is north of duluth called castle danger and they have a really good cream ale Uh, i'm a sucker for cream ales so um those would be my two what do you got uh, here in Fort Wayne, we're kind of late to the to the brewery scene, but uh, we made an impact here in the last couple of years. So we'll probably have about a half dozen solid ones now. But uh, Mad Anthony is the original, really brewery here, and uh, and has a, a great IPA, uh, Mosaic Moon, and that's a go-to man. I always, well, when we go to uh, lunch there, it's only a stone's throw from work, and and you know I'm always saying I'm going to do one, and then one turns into two, and two turns into four. And then I'm shit the rest of the day. So maybe it's just the memories of just being able to cut out early of work because I drank. Um, but now Mosaic Moon is where it's at, fellas. So uh, once we meet up here one of these days, we'll all uh, trade a four or a six pack. I'm in. Have you ever, were you from Fort Wayne originally? Yeah. Uh, born and raised, grew up here, uh, went to school here, went to uh, what was then IPFW, which is Indiana, Purdue, Fort Wayne. It's a satellite campus of uh, both Indiana and Purdue. It was a bit weird. Um, but, uh, yeah, graduated from here and, uh, was, was in newspapers for a long time, worked in small towns in Northern, uh, Indiana, eventually got back to Fort Wayne, worked for the newspaper there and then, uh, got out of newspapers and journalism because I didn't want to be 60 years old and single and fat and, you know, my life was, was shit. So, uh, went into, uh, marketing communications, working for a, uh, sports performance company here in Fort Wayne. So, uh. I, I live in a town about half hour south of, of uh, Fort Wayne, a town called Huntington, uh, with my wife and son. So, uh, yeah, been around here all my life. Because I, I have a friend who's like, a, it's a hill he's willing to die on, that people from Fort Wayne don't like when new things open in their town. <laughs> yeah. They only want to just keep going to the same restaurants for their whole life. They don't want, like, if, if let's just say, like, there's a place in Minnesota called Tavern. If like this restaurant in Minnesota all of a sudden decide they're gonna build one in Fort Wayne and and try to get business that nobody would go there for like the first six months because people don't like trying new things in Fort Wayne. Can you confirm if that's a true thing? No, it's I totally agree because in the last about ten years they've really revitalized. <laughs> they've, they've really revitalized downtown. It used to be sleepy and nobody went down there and they put a baseball stadium down there and restaurants came in 
uh, companies built their HQs down there. So it's a real happening place now. And people will still like shit on it at every opportunity that nobody wants to be downtown. And why are they opening a Proximo down there? And why are they opening a Roos Chris and all this crap? Nobody's going to eat there. Just give me my Applebee's. Like, yeah, I, I totally, totally get it, man. It's like, I don't know. It's like this, this natural hatred for any change. And uh, it's, it's unbearable at times, but you know, going from Fort Wayne now living in a small town where it's seriously any type of change and not just talking about restaurants or storefronts, but uh, people uh, moving in that, uh, you know, maybe from different backgrounds, like it's, it's, it's wild here, man. So it's a uh, uh, Fort Wayne is very refreshing after you live in small town, Indiana for a little while. What about it, like adding a roundabout? Oh no! Kind of like Carmel style. Would that? Oh just, man! Would that just cause a riot? They're yeah, they're actually putting a stretch of roundabouts in uh, in Fort Wayne right now. My wife refuses to drive in Carmel or Westfield or anything. So Caleb has his town of <laughs> Westfield is like a no go for my wife. Uh, yeah, they're, they're getting into the roundabout game uh, up in Fort Wayne, most definitely. So uh, yeah, it, it, it's it's a chore for sure, but it you know it does move traffic a little bit faster. But I'm surprised more people don't just run into each other in those things. <sighs> well, it's been like the most refreshing. What are we at here? Like 15 minutes? It's been like the most refreshing start to a podcast I can remember. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why. It's been fun. Good. We've roasted Mike. We've complained about Fort Wayne. Uh, we shit on the Eagles. Yeah, I mean it's a trifecta. Wrap it up, fellas. I know we're, we're doing good. Let's start with, so you guys record on Thursdays. Yep. So, you know, like I said, some of these, there are going to be things we talk about on Thursday and some of these you already talked about on your last episode. And one of those is the, uh, Jimmy Johnson and Roman Grosjean test at IMS, uh, which happened like the day that we recorded the day after we recorded, whatever. So starting with you, Mike, because you know, we've just been shooting on yeah, you a little bit. <laughs> what did you make? So I think, uh, I actually learned this from, Justin and Caleb that even though they didn't pass the last phase of rookie orientation, they both quote unquote passed. So they're good to go come May or April, whatever the test is. Uh, So any impressions at all from Grosjean and Johnson and, and, you know, their reactions to everything? What'd you, what'd you think of the whole thing? Well, like you tweeted from the PLP account, it was very weird seeing Grosjean in yellow colors and not seeing Ryan Hunter Ray in that car. But I mean, it was it was cool to I I was able to sit on 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 Grosjean's media availability. I missed Jimmy Johnson's just because I had some things going on. But you know, the the enthusiasm both of them show I think is the biggest takeaway for me because I didn't read anything about lap times or I guess it doesn't matter because they were just doing the rookie orientation. But I'm 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 not sure if I'm a hundred percent sold that Jimmy's going to do it because he seems like he's still kind of like deciding but i'm much more confident that he would do it than i was like even a month or two ago so really cool to see them both there i think it'll bring a ton of uh, a ton of extra eyes to the 500 next year which is never a bad thing but i think the biggest takeaway is how happy they both were afterwards that they did the test so that's never a bad thing uh uneventful which is a good thing um you know, for, for them to get their feet under them and, you know, maybe not quote unquote top speed with not passing the entire you know rookie orientation or at least going through all three phases. I think it was, it was great. And, and, you know, Mike, like you said, they came out beaming and, you know, it says something when you're arguably your two uh, most popular drivers, at least among recent entries in the series 
are also your biggest advocates for the series is is huge. I mean, both of these guys uh, have talked up the series and talked up the competition and all that for since the inception, since they came into the series, and for all the new fans that they brought in to have that energy and have that um, you know really drive to 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 express how great the series is, is absolutely tremendous. And, you know, I, you know, Grosjean's doing it. I I'm with you, Mike. It was weird seeing him in them DHL colors. And, um, I think Jimmy does it, you know, as long as his wife signs off, which, uh, sounds like it's trending that way. And, and I think it's something where we can look at the arrow screen as a direct result. I don't think we see either of these drivers in IndyCar right now, if it's still an open cockpit. Yeah. I, I think Grosjean said in the in the media availability that after his accident, he went from, okay, I'm going to do IndyCar to actually, I've just had this crazy accident. I'm not going to do it. And then said, you know what, let me do the, the road and street courses after all. So I think, I think you hit the nail on the head there with the, with the aero screen part. Yeah. It's just, yeah, it's, it's the DHL thing is weird, but we'll get used to it. I think. And um, I, I'm super psyched that Grosjean's doing a full season next year and, I think this is kind of step one for him and he seemed super happy about everything. So that's a great sign to me. Just two items to note here before we move on to the next topic. Uh, Pato Award and Elio Castroneves did do further testing on Thursday to simulate the new engine and component changes coming in 2023. And there is another one of those coming at Mid-Ohio, and I believe the drivers will be New Garden and Plough sometime this week. So we will keep our eyes on that and tweet anything relevant that comes out about that. Up to here, we got Jack Harvey going to the number 45 high V car, as everybody predicted. <laughs> everybody, you know, we all saw that coming for sure. Wow. Uh, I was shocked to see that. So we'll start with Justin there. What... I mean, were you as surprised as kind of probably everybody else was that it was Harvey in the high V car and not Ferrucci? Yeah, I was shocked, fellas. I mean, this is why we need a Drive to Survive-esque show, because what is going on behind the scenes at Ray Hall Letterman Lanigan where, you know, you have Santino Ferrucci, he performs well in those high in that high V car, he's being marketed by high V. We feel like, okay, he's a a shoe in for that car you know he's getting high v sponsorship uh and racing in nascar a little bit and it feels like behind the scenes rll is you know well we don't really like one santino perucci but what about this guy and high v's still glued to santino and you know we're kind of hearing scuttlebutt on certain members of the team want this guy certain team this guy so we at least felt okay um, you know, at least it's going to be Santino or somebody else in that high V car. And then for it to come out of nowhere where Jack Harvey's in that seat, uh, caught everybody off guard. So, you know, the positive is high V is in for a full season, uh, with RLL. That's huge for them for that second car, allowing them then to, uh, to, to, to really find somebody for that third car. But yeah, to your point, really surprised with Jack Harvey in that car and, and guys, I'll, I'll throw a question back to you guys in, in terms of, of this po- topic. Do you expect a significant bump in performance for Jack Harvey with Ray Hall Letterman Lanigan? Yes, simply because he doesn't have the shank strategy that screwed him out of multiple <laughs> results this year. And I'm not saying he's going to necessarily win a race, but I think he's going to be much more consistent because he won't have a Road America fuel save blunder call. <laughs> yeah, our favorite thing to ever 
happen. Um, yes, yeah, I think the pace will definitely go up. I think, you know, Shank wasn't a slow team, but I think they kind of just lack the general resources as a new team to compete with, you know, Ganassi right out the gate. And yes, they're getting that Andretti, you know, partnership or whatever. But, you know, as a team, you still have to work with the resources that you have behind the scenes to make everything work. And, you know, yeah, the strategy too, that, that really killed him a couple races. So I think as long as Ray Hall can continue to make strides in qualifying, which is, I think is their weakest area by far, uh, even when, even then they still bring it in the race. So I think a guy like Harvey can definitely help on the road courses for sure and continue to learn on the ovals and, and make that the whole team more well-rounded. Um, I think he's definitely an upgrade from Sato. If you ask me, um, I think Sato's going to beat at the 500 everywhere else. I'm, I'm going to probably take Harvey to do better. So, um, I think in that way, I, I'm, I'm like where Ray Hall's at, even without knowing who their third driver is. Yeah, absolutely. I agree. Uh, So then on the topic of the third car, uh, we will note that Bobby Rahal didn't mention in a press conference as to the Harvey situation that the third car is apparently funded. So which means they are going to be picking the driver they want. The two names that continue to float out there are Santino Ferrucci, which still perplexes the three of us how he's not in the high V car. And then Christian Lungard, who did make his one and only IndyCar start with the team last year. And according to Marshall Peru, it does have the Alpine backing, which might be just a surplus now because if it doesn't need funding, I, mean, I don't think they're going to say no to him if they offer. If, he, if they're like, hey, I'll bring you $2 million from Alpine, I don't think we they're going to We don't want money. <laughs> no, yeah. Sounds like some Fort Wayne economics if I've ever heard it. <laughs> well, let's talk about the whole coin situation. So Takuma Sato is linked to the Rick Ware racing outfit. We've been hearing that Ed Jones may not exactly be on his way out. But uh, it's not 100% certain yet. But there may still be some ties there to Vassar Sullivan that might keep him wherever Vassar Sullivan goes next year. Kirkwood's being linked with the coin Rick Ware racing if they do one or two entries next year. Uh, Malukas needs a place to go. And HMD seems determined to do some sort of partnership with coin. Mike, we got, I mean, coin, I feel like every year they get like all this free press based on not knowing exactly what they're (laughs) going to do and us speculating on it for five months between June and February 1st or whenever they announce. Uh, So at this point in time, where are you, where are you thinking coins going based on the wind? Yeah. So I have it under pretty good confidence that Sato will be there in whatever number you want to pick because it seems like they change numbers every year now too. So (laughs) let's say Sato for one I mean, it's it really depends on if Vassar Sullivan wants to be their own team, like they kind of have mentioned, or if they partner up for another year. I honestly don't think it's going to be Kirkwood there. I could see, but I, I could see Ed Jones, unfortunately, and that's only because apparently he has a lot more money than I ever realized. I kind of thought he was dependent on that sponsorship that he had with that like Miami nightclub or strip club or whatever it is. If you look at the website, it looks like a very seedy nightclub but he's he's got a lot of financial backing that i learned about literally like two hours ago so uh, i don't want to predict ed jones because i really i'm kind of over ed jones but ed jones and yeah i think the hmd malukas thing has a lot of legs to it so that's that's my october 12th prediction yeah i mean do 
do we see somebody from overseas come with a big check for coin? And 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 we make fun of, of TBA all the time, but does it make sense for Dale Coin to wait to see who can bring some money over from the other side of the pond? Because you look at, okay, who's going to try to replicate the Romain Grosjean? You come in, bring some funding, you, you succeed, you have a great season, and then you get picked up by a big team. I mean, are other... Uh, you know, drivers with dead ends to F1 or out of F1 kind of see that path and try to replicate it? And if so, does it make sense for Coin to wait, um, you know, and, and hopefully not wait until February, but wait until November, December to potentially see if, if some money and some drivers, you know, emerge from Europe? Yeah. And when you talk about that, the, the first kind of name that pops to my head is Marcus Armstrong for whatever reason, but F2 driver was in Nashville to check out the IndyCar scene. I can't remember what team shortly after made it a driver announcement, but everybody's freaking out at the time because they thought it was going to be Armstrong, but you know, he, who knows? He might be one of those TBA drivers. You just kind of don't think about that just shows up out of nowhere, drops 6 million at coins lap and says, that's mine. So, yeah, I mean, it could be one of those drivers. It's We'll see. I think I don't want Ed Jones back, especially after Long Beach. But um, and especially after – I mean, some of the things in the year were out of his control, and sometimes he was just an idiot. So uh, we'll see. And then, yeah, I'd love to see Malukas and HMD form some sort of partnership. Um, and for those who didn't listen to the last – new track record podcast episode. I just want to kind of give Justin the floor here to right. talk about Carlin. <laughs> Go right ahead. So what are you, what are your overall thoughts about, you know, Carlin and, and you know, where they're at currently? Man, I feel like I've, I've been dogging Carlin ever since they blocked us. Uh, when I was doing the countdown to the, uh, I think I was doing a countdown to the season and they still didn't have a driver and they blocked it. Like I've said a heck of a lot worse about a heck of a lot more people than that. But, uh, but no, I, you know, Carlin's in a position, guys, where they got to decide. And, you know, Trevor Carlin's kind of said this in so many words, is they have to stop being held hostage by inferior drivers with money. And and that's Max Chilton, unfortunately. But he's also, or his dad at least, is probably the only one that has kept the team afloat in the States for this long. And, you know, you, you mentioned, um, you know, about the – the acronym teams with Dale Coyne. Is it, is it Rick Ware? Is it HMD? Is it Vassar Sullivan? Not all of them can be with Dale Coyne. At least I don't think so. So who's out there that needs a partnership? I feel like at the very least, that's a partnership that Carlin should pursue. And if they can't make a partnership with a better, bigger team, they need to partner up with a Vassar Sullivan or an HMD or something to give them some ability to hire a driver, bring some more capital in because they cannot continue to go this way, fellas. They're, they're basically a, a field filler at this point. They don't have any long range plan. They now they don't have an Indy car or an Indy lights team. Apparently they're selling their cars after one year being back. So there's no natural, you know, ladder system for Carlin to develop their, their drivers in the States. You know, I, I think it's make or break for Trevor Carlin by the end of the year. And, you know, we, we've heard rumors that, you know, even their equipment, you know, some teams were poking around on whether the team was for sale itself. So uh, it's our make or break couple months for Carlin. But if it looks the same in, in 2022, if, if, they're, if they're still facing a Max Chilton check to keep going, I would say, what's the point? I agree. I, I just, I don't, I think their whole plan just, I think they rushed into IndyCar a little too quickly, 
four or five years ago, whenever that was. And man, it's just no offense to Max Chilton, but like you said, if if that's the only option, is it really worth spending millions of dollars? They botched their lights return this year. The cars weren't that good. So I, yeah, I I would even consider partnering with somebody like Ed Carpenter if you know, yeah, just. You know, maybe it helps Ed out, it helps Carlin out, develop a little bit more. And Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Running should be simple. Just put on your shoes and go. And yet, when you try to learn about how to get better at it, especially as you age... You're confronted with conflicting advice, complicated workouts, and confusing nutrition trends that just won't work for you. On The Planted Runner, I'll share exactly how to run faster, longer, and feel great doing it at any age because you don't have time to waste. I'm Coach Claire Bartholik, and I went from not running at all in my late 30s to finishing a marathon in 2.58 at age 42, all on a plant-based diet. I've helped hundreds of runners achieve new personal records well into their 60s and even 70s with science-backed training, plant-based nutrition, and proven mental strength techniques. Each episode of The Planted Runner is like a private coaching session on the run where you'll learn from me and the guests I interview. You'll get actionable lessons to help you become a better runner every week and reach goals that you never thought possible. Whether you're training for your first 5K or your 50th marathon, take along the planted runner on your next run. Let me show you how your best running is still ahead of you. And just anything to keep keep going but not hemorrhage money out. Yeah, I wouldn't mind seeing a little McLaren-type takeover where, you know, McLaren comes in, partners with Schmidt, and then for all intents and purposes takes the team over. Like with the Vassar Sullivan who are – to my knowledge, still adamant that they want to become their own team eventually. Uh, and they do have a chassis and they're starting to recover some of their equipment that they sold with KV um, or with HMD, who seem like a very ambitious group uh, in Indy Lights and F4 and all the other series that they've tried. A very ambitious group that seems to have the leadership to want to make things work. Um, you know, them partnering with Carlin and eventually taking them over and buying their equipment and whatnot. Or I don't know if I see Ed Carpenter happening, but yeah, just just something where like maybe a team that's on the fringe that wants to be an IndyCar partners with Carlin for a little bit and then eventually just buys Carlin out or takes his stake. I think that'd be ultimately good for the series because, yes, Carlin at the moment's kind of just there. Before they dropped out of Indy Lights, their Indy Lights program was pretty good. Not Andretti good, but it was consistent. And then they made you jump into IndyCar and everything went to shit in like 12 hours. Now I'm exaggerating a little <laughs> bit, but like, that's what it feels like. Yeah. And it, to my knowledge, they don't really suck at like any form of racing that they're in. Like they're usually a pretty good front running team in all the feeder series that they're in, in. Europe. Yeah. They're also usually awesome. For them to just, yeah. And they've had some amazing talented drivers come through their system. 
only to come to IndyCar. And now if you're an IndyCar fan looking at Carl, I'm like, these guys must suck at everything. So <laughs> I don't know where you go from there. I think partnering with an HMD and then just kind of giving them the keys eventually get some of your assets or get some of your capital back and try to invest it somewhere else to me makes the most sense. Cause I don't, I don't know if they're getting what they want out of IndyCar. Yeah, I'd agree, fellas. I mean, I don't, I don't hate Carlin. I, I think it's, it's a great story. Trevor Carlin does great things, particularly overseas. It's just the formula is not working over here. And, you know, we talk so much about how competitive this series is and it definitely is, but it also means you can't half-ass an operation. And unfortunately for Trevor Carlin, they're having to half-ass an operation, and you're just not going to be competitive in this series doing that. I agree. With that, let's move to the next one here. So Ernie Francis Jr., who is a extremely talented racing driver, and as some of you may be knowing him from from the SRX series uh, this last summer, he has a Indy Lights test coming up with Force Indy for the Chris Griffiths Memorial Test coming up. In two weeks Halloween weekend is, is it really yes. Ugh, damn so there's two parts of that story obviously Ernie Francis incredibly talented gonna drive an Indy Lights car so I think that's great news also uh, Force Indy from all intents and purposes and the way I read it testing somebody in an Indy Lights car to me gives me an indication that they may be going from USF 2000 and branching into Indy Lights and I'm going to go ahead and assume that part of that has to do with Roger Penske acquiring Indy Lights. Um, so starting with Mike, where do you kind of sit with everything there? I mean, that's obviously great news on both accounts, but what, what excites you about this announcement? So my first thought was, I wonder if that's where the Carlin cars went, the Carlin Indy Lights cars that like got sold recently. But yeah, I mean, it's, it's pretty cool. I, I The part that intrigued me, and I don't... I don't know if intrigued is the right word, was that Rod Reed, who is the Force Indy team owner, said, yeah, we we might be in Indy Lights this year, and if we are, we're, we're not going to do USF 2000. And so Miles Rowe, their current driver, is kind of like, he was like, yeah, he's he's pretty much free to do whatever he wants. He's like, well, we, we set him up with a couple, I don't want to call it interviews, but you know, discussions with other teams and whatnot. But yeah, see you, Miles. It, it, I don't know, that part kind of, it's a little intriguing the way it was was worded, but nonetheless, another team in Indy Lights is super exciting. I think Ernie Francis has a pretty damn good track record in in what he's raced in SRX. He was good. Trans Am. He's a multi time champion, and he's I don't know twenty twenty two twenty three. Anyways, he's still very young. So when he first said a couple months ago, yeah, it'd be really cool to test a, an Indy lights car or an Indy car or something like that. I was like, yeah, I don't, I don't know. I hope, but I didn't put much stock into it. And this one came out of left field, but I'm, I'm very intrigued. I'm, I'm excited. I actually will be at the test uh, most likely. So hope to get a chance to talk to him, but yeah, I think it's really, really cool for, for Indy lights to see force Indy step up like that and hopefully you know, add to the car count you know, for more than just this year. Yeah. I, a lot of what Mike said, you know, for sure, you know, it, it's a great point that Mike made too about, you know, is there, there definitely is a core, you know, a, a you know, connection between Roger Penske purchasing or, you know, bringing in Indy lights in house and this force Indy uh, being brought in for IndyCar. I just hope it's not at the expense of miles row. I feel like he showed a lot in his first season gets a win uh, several top tens 
I hope it's not a thing of, you know, okay, Miles, you're on your own now. We kind of open the door for you, but we got we got a better prospect up and in, in potentially Indy Lights that we can run. So, um, you know, good luck. I, I don't expect that to be happening, but it was kind of interesting the way it was worded with Miles. And basically they were going to kind of introduce him to a couple teams and maybe get him a, a test at the Griffiths test and see what happens. So I hope they're just not chasing the flavor of the week type thing. Uh, with a driver, and hopefully Miles Rowe can find a seat, and uh, and we see another car on the Indy Lights field, which you know we hope to see. You know, maybe for next year, you know, similar amount of of, of cars. You know, with Carlin dropping out, you know, who knows where they're going to be at? But it would definitely an improvement. And and this is a kid, guys, that while I don't know too much about reading up on him and and remembering him from watching SRX. Uh, he's a kid that really could make an impact next year in Indy Lights and potentially has a future in IndyCar. Yeah, I'd say as long as Nikita Lashtushkin is back in Indy Lights next year, we'll be all right. And if not, I'll be concerned. But yeah, I, I think Miles Rowe left a good impression on me this year. And obviously his win was, was incredibly impressive at New Jersey. And so hopefully something can be done to kind of keep him around. But we'll keep our eyes on that one. Justin... What was your overall kind of thoughts when the news came out about Michael Andretti and the Alfa Romeo deal that with just in the last seven days, more infos come out about, you know, purchase price, things like that, what exactly they're going to be doing. Colton Herta probably going to fall along with them to F1 in 2023. What, what are you, where do you kind of sit on all of that? First off, I think I give mad props to you guys for kind of being on top of this story, man. That's kind of a, a huge deal. Uh, for you so kudos friends man good Thank job you. absolutely so we, we kind of got indications of this when you know and i i'm not a business person by, per se or even close but when andretti was trying to raise that capital right with the, and you thought well, what are they raising money for and immediately you start thinking in terms of racing you, you're thinking formula one so i don't think it's a huge surprise to people that like us that have kind of been following what's been going on with Andretti in terms of, you know, investments and trying to, uh, to, to kind of build capital. Um, it's all about, you know, maybe finding that right fit for, for formula one and which team they can get into. And I think it's a great opportunity. And if, if it happens, I think there's a lot hinging guys. And I'm sure you talked about it at length on next year's formula one season, because we all, we're all told that things are going to be a lot closer, right? Everybody's going to be able to compete or majority of teams. And I think that's why Fernando Alonso sticking around and some other guys. And, um, you know, when we see uh, guys like Valtteri Botas go to where he's going, he's counting on, on Williams being better, right? So it's fascinating next year. And I, I think Andretti's getting into it at the right time, at least for them, because they think, you know, things are going to be, you know, closer in terms of competition. So does it happen or not? I think that's the huge thing in terms of the level playing field, or at least a more level playing field that we have now in Formula One. I think it's huge, guys. I mean, if you would have asked us five, six years ago, you would have one-fifth of the Formula One teams, uh, uh, you know, competing in IndyCar. We'd say we were crazy, right? But, you know, as soon as in a year or two, we could have McLaren and Andretti, both in the IndyCar paddock and the Formula One paddock. Yeah, that's crazy. And before I toss it to Mike, it's it's kind of crazy too. The four hundred four million dollars that the Islero Investment Group is 
potentially being bought for by Andretti or the 80% stake, which would therefore give him control of Sauber. You know, something I tweeted was that commercially, Formula One's about to be unmissable. Uh, you know, if this 2022 does go well, if Drive to Survive continues to funnel fans to Formula One, you know, they got the video games, they got, you know, all of the people on social media that have the reach that they do, either the YouTubers or, you know, WTFF1, things like that. Formula One just has such a, a cult following right now. It's insane how many people watch it. And, you know, given how expensive it would be to just start up a Formula One team, so you got the $200 million initial fee. Then you have the facilities, the staff, you know, buy, purchasing all the equipment and things like that, you know, traveling to 23 plus races a season, testing, all of that stuff, R&D. To me, if you have a chance to get in at $404 million, you do it. So to me, that makes a lot more sense than starting from scratch from Michael's point of view. I can't wait to see where everything goes. I, you know, there's, I, I'm sorry for repeating myself on multiple episodes this week, but the super license intrigue is you know what how many points does he really have how is he going to get the points that he needs and talking uh, Colton Herta here but yeah I'm 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 excited I think it'd be really cool like Justin said you have two teams that are doing both series and you know I like the Andretti you know the Andretti name is is huge it's probably I don't know I don't know if it's as big as McLaren but it's as big as McLaren in a in a different way so it's it's pretty pretty damn cool to see and i'm very excited i i hope it, i hope it works out i i know some people are like ah oh, well i don't want to lose colton herder from indycar i totally get it and i i can't say i disagree but also seeing what colton herder could do in formula one especially if that sauber alfa romeo andretti whatever it ends up being called in a couple years is is capable of with the kind of Ferrari engines that are starting to improve again. I'm I'm intrigued. I would definitely be very intrigued. Most definitely. I mean, here's a question, guys, that I, that I shot to Caleb in a text. And, okay, if McLaren's the first team to compete in IndyCar from Formula One and, Indy, and Andretti becomes the de facto second in a couple years, who's the third? If you are, have to guess which is the next team that's going to be competing in IndyCar and Formula One, whether they go from F1 to IndyCar, vice versa, or new team, who would you guys pick as the next team to compete in both series? I would say Alpine, and that's strictly because knowing what I know about Renault, they're a very ambitious company, but it doesn't seem like they have any sort of foothold with their European brands in America. And so I think doing kind of like a twofold thing of trying to get more of their cars in America on top of getting some brand recognition, which is what they're doing in Formula One with Alpine, is trying to get an Alpine program somehow in IndyCar. Plus, they can then send one of their 75 Academy drivers here every now and then to actually get some racing in because they're never going to get to that Formula One team, apparently. But to me, it seems like they're pretty ambitious with what they're doing, and they're pretty committed to F1 for a long time. So getting them to IndyCar, I think, would be kind of a, a commercial win-win for them. That's a good one. I really don't. I think that's the really the only logical one. So to be illogical, I'm gonna go with you Aston. Say Haas. And no, I, I no, I am going to say Aston Martin simply because Lawrence Stroll has a gajillion dollars and could afford to do whatever he wants. There's really no logic reason in that. Just I'll throw one at you guys, and this is as illogical as Mike's is. Let's say Formula One continues to blow up. 
It continues to grow in the United States. We see multiple successful races in the U.S., whether it be two, whether it be three, who knows in the future. I say if that happens, if the series continues to grow, 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 I think Team Penske would jump back in to Formula One. Oh. Not saying imminently. I'm not saying even when Roger Penske's still alive. I'm saying at some point, if that happens, if Formula One continues to make a huge impact here in the States, Team Penske would jump back into the F1. Certainly could afford it. Yeah. Um, I mean, illogical Penske. for sure. I'm just taking a different approach to it. Because that's where that's where he got his driving start, but that's not where he's – he didn't have a team there, did he? I don't think so. Did he have like a couple – was he like a partner or something with with a team? I don't think he was a majority owner or anything. Because yeah, I think I've heard him tell a story where he was a driver and someone came to him and said, listen, I got an opportunity for you to be like a car salesman, car dealer, whatever, and you're going to make a lot more money doing this than you would be driving. And so he did that and then took the money and started his own team eventually, obviously. I think he I think he did the, the Penske PC one in the seventies, 1975. Yeah. So they did, it doesn't No, They didn't compete in a full season. They did two races at the end of 74. They did one, two, three, about nine races in 75 with Mark Donahue and potentially another race or two, a race of champions. And the international trophy race. I don't even know where that is. Somewhere in Britain. I'm I'm li- I'm on Wikipedia right now. So it looks like that was the the only year. Him as a driver in '62, he raced for Dupont Team Xerox, and in '61, he raced one race with John M. Wyatt the third as the owner. I th- it'd be obviously awesome. He could afford it. Uh, but yeah, it could it could be it's it's probably would be several years down the road for sure. Yeah, it would have to be long time in the future, but um, you know, we'll, we'll we'll come back around, guys, in uh, 2031 and see how all our predictions stand. <laughs> As Matt was probably thinking, I wonder if Host will still be alive then. So I'm going to get that out of the way. Oh, funny. So it looks like John Watson was an F1 driver who scored Team Penske's lone Formula One victory, I think, in Austria, if I'm not mistaken. I'm, I'm like, scrolling through this article from Team Penske's website, which was actually just this article is, is only three months old. So, yeah. Yeah, it looks like they had a one minor bit of success. Interesting. Well, the more you know. All right, well, that's all I had on my list. Do you guys got anything else you want to throw out before we uh, call it a day here? What are you guys most looking forward to in the offseason? I know that, uh, you know, silly season's huge, and we feel like maybe we're getting closer to uh, an OEM announcement. Maybe, maybe not. Who knows? We've been here before type thing. But, um, you know, what What do you guys, uh, you know, have your pulse on? What do you guys, what do you guys think what's going to happen the next couple months? Yeah, I'm just super excited to see where the rest of Silly Season lies and and who's going to go where because we definitely still have some unfilled seats. Biggest intrigue for me right now is Kirkwood, see what happens to him and see where he goes. But yeah, I think there's going to be some exciting announcements here soon, some that are going to be, well, duh, and some that are going to be, what the hell just happened there? Kind of like Harvey. I thought Harvey was a for sure, well, duh, but uh, when that news came out, we were all shocked, so... Um, things like that that that's you know i think awesome for the sport and really keeps the fans captivated very intrigued to see what's going on now that indy lights is penske or indy car owned to see kind of 
what changes they made. We saw they announced a new competition director from the USAC world, Le- Levi Jones, if I'm not mistaken. I'm, I'm, apparently, he's very uh, well regarded in, in the motorsports world. So that's cool. And I want to see what else comes from that. And you know, I'll be at, uh, most likely be at the Griffiths test and see kind of the future of the road to Indy and all the young guys and guys who get a chance to test there. So I, I'm very excited to see what comes from the new Indy car ownership of Indy lights. I think it's going to be really cool. Yeah, man. Lots to look forward to for sure. I, I feel like we're not waiting, uh, you know, instead of heading into an off season where we're waiting for something horrible to happen, we actually have <laughs> optimism, right? Yeah, it's there's so much Weird, optimism. It? It's <laughs> I don't know what to do with myself. I don't I don't know where to be negative. Yeah, I will find something. Don't worry, fellas. Yeah. Oh, I'll always find. Yeah, one. don't worry. Well, I'm keeping a list. Number one on the list was Peacock already. So, <laughs> Justin, thank you uh, so much for joining. Really, really appreciate you having having or you coming on. I will be debuting on their episode this week, so you guys should definitely check that out. That comes out Friday. Yes. Yeah. yeah, we'll correct? shoot it out Friday. Perfect. Uh, so we will share a link on our podcast as well. So make sure you guys check that out. Yeah. Well, Justin, thank you for joining. I'm sorry you have to deal with Matt a second time this week. It does get very difficult after a while. But I'll leave it at that. Ladies and gentlemen, have a lovely weekend of racing. Today's podcast was presented by Podgo. Podgo is the easiest way for you to monetize your podcast, providing podcasters with a flat rate for ad space so you always know how much you get when you include an ad from Podgo. If you're a podcaster, you can apply too immediately and get connected with advertisers that fit your audience. Go to podgo.co at podgo.co and let them know that we sent you there. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done.